week of riffs and scripts. (laughs) That was my favourite one, yeah. Cole just decided I'm going to speak through a glass of water. Immensely satisfied. Amber, we've not had a chat in like two weeks. Mate, I've had the most stressful couple of weeks I've had in a really long time. Oh my God. Okay, tell me. Okay. First of all, I've gotten a job that I can't fully disclose just yet contractually, but I've got a job and it means I need to go away, right? She's a bit Very right. exciting. But part of that has meant having to find cover teachers for all of my classes. Um, and the company I work for do not have the level of staff that we used to since the pandemic because all the actors have left London because there was no acting. So yeah. I have spent all my time begging people to cover my classes I have been trying to prep to go away. And then also last week, well, my the plumbing in my flat has never been great, but it, it came to a blows last week. <coughs> oh no. And I oh, no. and yeah, and it's a whole thing. We had a plumber in, but the plumber was kind of useless. Um and it was <laughs> and it all happened on the morning before I had another audition. Oh, oh no. my gosh, I have just been in this absolute whirlwind. Like it's just been a bit crazy and Fair. also interestingly at the and i was i did a few singing lessons in the lead up to the audition and i did that thing where the song went really well and then the speech which in theory should be the thing i'm better at yeah i had a complete moment of freezing halfway through the speech it's never happened to me before where everything i've ever known in my life just emptied my brain and Man. it's a horrible feeling and you know it's been too long to pass it off however i've in the past I've like volunteered at auditions, like at drama schools, and I've been a producer, as you know, and this, that, the other. And I know that when you're watching someone audition and they freeze like that, all you want in the world is for them to find it again and carry on. Yeah, of course. And you just sit and will them to find it. So I just like took a breath and it came back. And at the end, at the end, they did go, to be fair, that was a really good recovery. I was like, thank you. Nice. So, but that's just how. like stressed i've been like nothing has been simple this fucking fuel bullshit oh my god yeah. mate my dad i i i had to drive to get to work um and I, I never normally let my petrol get low and then it was low and i was like i'm nervous to even sit in a line waiting for petrol in case my car dies yeah and so my dad was driving me around with cans in the middle of the night trying to just get enough petrol so that i can then take my car to get petrol and then i'm having to go to my brother's house to use his shower because of my this is so shit i've had a mental week we could we could (laughs) we're not going to but we could do like an hour-long episode about the stresses i faced this week oh my god mate how are you oh my god i'm all right i'm fucking ill as shit hence why we we didn't do last week folks at home um uh i've been really fucking ill like i had one cold it's basically been like a succession of colds because i've not had colds in eight months that's basically it yeah your immune system's not gonna be none of us are gonna have the immune system we once did when i went back to teaching i got so ill i got so ill my body couldn't handle being around kids anymore like yeah yeah my girlfriend's uh my girlfriend's not well of course um she's fucking double hard though Issue. She's got like she's got high points in constitution. You'll know what that means, Amber, because you've played D and D. Jesus, sorry yes. about that, everyone. Yeah, I'm still ill. I'm. I still feel like shit. I've been coughing up shit all the fucking time. The petrol thing was fucking mad, right? So 
I, I, I've been like, off work, like getting up in the mornings, coughing and stuff. And then basically I was like, I'm fucking miserable. And I've been in my house for the whole time. I'm just going to go see my girlfriend, which was actually planned anyway. So we planned that out. And that was on the Friday. And mm. then I looked at the news and was like, oh, I don't have enough fuel to get to Kent, which is where my girlfriend lives. So Ooh, that's quite a commute for um, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We. By the way, I know I, I, I appreciate and understand that other people through this pandemic have had like Real problems with long-term relationships. It's been fucking easy. It's been for us. It's been really fucking easy. Um, I mean, you and, miss uh, each other, obviously, I'm, but yeah, like we miss each other, and it's, it's shit worth it. not being with each other. But like, there's not been strain for us, which I'm really grateful for. Um, oh, dude. Yeah, I'm just. I'm very That's lucky. Cute. I'm very lucky, man. Um, but basically, uh, I didn't have enough to go to Dartford in my tank, so I go to three different petrol stations near me. In country bumpkin, but fuck nowhere. Yeah. I said, it was, did you have a good little crack then? I did. Yeah. I don't know if it, the nice, mic picked it up, nice. but my neck did a great. I, I, I heard a touch. <laughs> we might. I'll do mine in a minute, and we'll see if it because mine goes really bad. <laughs> I I went to three different petrol stations, and I didn't have my uh, actual bank card with me. I only had my phone, and one of the petrol stations was closed. One of the petrol stations only took the actual card. Yeah. Pay in at the tank. Yeah. And then the last one did, but it was a thirty pound limit. Saw the girlfriend for the weekend coughed up a lot had you know a great time but was ill was so at my Ill, girlfriend's yeah. rather than mine and i also worked out it was actually her brother that had given it to me all the same symptoms so he right. gave it to me last time i visited her and then uh there was a f- okay so then i went to five different petrol stations there um and uh the last one had a 40 pound limit so that was enough to get home and go to work because usually i put 70 quid in whenever i go to go to visit her because then it's like that's me covered for the next week after i come home Mm. basically um so yeah it was lots of fun and very stressful and a lot of people in jerry cans turning up and just walking in front of people and um driving's been a weird one since the pandemic because because i drove the whole way through and so i was there when it was suddenly empty yeah then i was there when everyone came back yeah and not to be mean to people but a lot of people like need that constant driving yeah. to remember how to drive safely. Oh yeah, well. people who don't normally drive. Oh um, my gosh, yeah. That was a big difference I noticed when we came out of lockdown is that a lot of people sort of really forgot how to drive yep. safely. Yep. And so when I was when I was delivering PPE at the time yep. after the first lockdown, people were like pulling out in front of me on major roads and stuff and I was like slamming the brakes on and things, you know. Um this is when I was doing those PPE runs in my last job. So yeah, driving's still, I think, some people are only just coming back to the road because a lot of people have been working from home yeah. um, uh, or, or, or furloughed um, yep. until recently. So, you know, it's been uh, fun. And this has been, you know, yet another little tick on the on the what the fuck is happening meter that oh, I have at the moment. Right. Anyway, shall we introduce our guest? So... This week we have another guest episode. Um, it's someone that I reached out to through like the little podcasting world. Her name is Shoshana. Um, she runs a podcast called Scene to Song that I was on. And now this is her coming on to our podcast. We talk about her work as a writer and a lyricist, um, is particularly in theatre. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Boom, check it out. Here we go. Hello, welcome to another interview episode of Riffs and Scripts. And today we have a very special guest from 
the US, our first one. Shoshana is coming in from New York. Shoshana Greenberg is a lyricist, librettist, singer and theatre journalist. She has an incredible CV. Musicals include lyrics for Days of Rage with Heyoon Kim and Lightning Man with Jeffrey Dennis Smith. Her opera, The Community with composer Kevin Cummines, was named in the best of 2019 by WQXR. Her songs have been heard at various venues from Lincoln Centre to the Duplex, where she performed her one-woman show, Not Coming Back. She has written for American Theatre Magazine, The Interval and Women in Hollywood and serves as a contributing editor to the musical theatre publication, Musical Theatre Today. She also created and hosts the musical theatre podcast, Scene to Song, and serves on the board of the Thornton Wilder Society. My goodness. Shoshana, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, so it's you've, it's the early afternoon where you are right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just finished lunch and uh, and uh, starting my afternoon. Yep. Amazing. So let's just get straight into it. Um, can you just explain to us what your job is? Because, I mean, I know it goes in all sorts of different directions, but we really love, you know celebrating and clarifying what it actually takes to do all the different jobs in this industry. So if I had never heard of you before, how would you explain what you do? Yeah, uh, well, I think I think of it as like my main, uh, my main job is a lyricist and book writer. I went to school uh, graduate school for musical theater writing at NYU. So that's where my degree is. Um, you know, that's where I kind of started uh, in musical theater was is in writing it. So I would say that's my main thing. And then I, I've always also loved um, to write uh, journalism. So I then, you know, added that to the work I was doing. Uh, I don't always write about musical theater for that, but I try to at least focus a lot of my stories on musical theater and um from there a lot more of uh, more opportunities came um and also uh decided to start a podcast based on you know musical theater so i think and that's I, how we met exactly so yeah. i i think um i would say like my job is um my job is writing musical theater but it's also kind of um expanding musical theater um for other people as well I kind of look at it as you know you know if you look at your job as like a service like my service is like bringing you know expanding musical theater discussion and new musical theater and um to you know to as many people as possible amazing so the, what I'm thinking right now is, so I'm an actor, Cole, my co-host, who you've still not managed to meet, I'm so sorry, is has got his own band. And those mm -hmm. are two big cliches of, you know, people with a creative dream um, that is so hard to do and that people kind of almost make fun of. And I actually think a writer is up there with that. Like mm -hmm. every movie, even musicals, the protagonist is someone who wants to be a writer. <laughs> so <laughs> when you first graduated, how did you get started? Did you have to do the kind of fringe thing where you wrote something and paid for it to happen? Did you get commissions really quickly? How does that 
How did it start? Yeah, I mean, it's different for everyone who came, especially like looking at the people who came out of my program with me or after me. Um, but for me, uh, I did a lot in the early days after graduating, I guess I did a lot of uh, trying to get the shows I was working on. I had two shows that uh, one of them being Light Man, Lightning Man, which you mentioned in my, my bio, which I'm still working on, but um, trying to get those shows uh, kind of off the ground and, and, you know, write more. We were lucky, like, as soon as I, as soon as I graduated, I started working on, an, on Lightning Man, and then we had a little developmental workshop at NYU, so we got that opportunity to, uh, to work on that, and... Yeah, it was really just like trying to, you know, get these shows off the ground. And in the meantime, like writing more songs like I did, you know, a lot of, you know, musical theater writers do concerts of their work. So I did those a little bit or like had my songs in other con other people's concerts and, and stuff like that. Um so the only uh, yeah. example of the, an example, well, not the only, but an example of that that's just come to my mind. Are you familiar with Tim Minchin? The legend. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So he obviously was he was already really well established in Australia, but what he then did was he came to, I say London. He came to the UK. He went to Edinburgh, and he did a concert of his work at the Edinburgh Fringe. And I've heard him in interview saying, "Yeah, there was comedy in there, but it was actually basically." me just putting together this really big showcase of what I could do. And actually that, I mean, to put it really simply, it led to him doing Matilda, um, which has been hugely successful. Have you got the, have you got Matilda in New York? Yeah. Yeah. It was here. Amazing. Uh, I want to say 2013. I saw it. Um, uh, I saw it twice, I think, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, about eight years ago. I yeah. want to say that. So I you do it. like a kind of musical writer showcase. Mm-hmm. And you do the whole thing inviting people, come watch my yeah, show. Yeah, it's it it can I mean, it I don't think anybody I know really got much I mean, maybe some people. They they can go either way. Sometimes they do lead to other things and sometimes it's just like just a way to put my work out there to have a reason to like keep writing songs right after graduating and um you know, get people to sing it and find find other performers that I like working with. Like, even if it doesn't go anywhere, there's still there. You can still find some value in, you know, oh, 100%. Putting, putting that together. Yeah. Yeah. Because you if nothing else, you get an audience's response to things. Right. And that's and really valuable. Exactly. You kind of you kind of see like which songs people respond to more. Like I've had some songs uh, from those early days that. I, I found, yeah, people people really responded to, and then those songs continue to get, like, if, if someone's like, oh, do you have a song to put in this show? Like, I know, like, oh, these are the songs that do well in these kind of cabaret shows, and and so it's it's good to figure out, you know, you write songs for them, or you you figure out which songs work best in, in those formats, and, and yeah, and again, like, finding performers that you really like to work with, I think, is also um part of it as well because yeah in the, in the early sure. days a lot of that your audience is going to be like your friends and yeah. <laughs> and, and dads yeah and um you know people yeah people who are there to you know who want to support you and 
and all that so it's so funny you should mention that because I've spoken about that a lot this year because I was producing Mm -hmm. and a big part of my approach because this was it was one of the first times that a small show brought me in and paid me to help them do you know what I mean it's one thing to go oh can you act for us for a profit share and things like that but it's another Mm -hmm. thing to go we are a small company and we want to do well Um, a producer's job is very kind of business ended and I remember saying um, and I really did make effort to stick to it it's great that we're going to have family and friends coming but that is not going to get us anywhere Mm -hmm. it needs to go beyond that and it is a really difficult kind of habit to break I think especially when people are first starting out it's not a bad thing to have your family watching of course but I remember like I worked with an independent theatre company for years after uni. So we I worked with them repeatedly. And I say this with love, but you very much started seeing the same 20 or 30 people coming every time. And I was like, this is lovely, but this this isn't. Um, this isn't going to help us progress. Mm-hmm. So it's a tricky one. Um, yeah. Who yeah. hires writers? That's a question I have for you. Um, it. It can be producers. Um, there are certain like uh, theater companies in New York that um, hire writers to write shows for them. I've never personally done that that route, but um, I know there are some like uh, I, Theater Works uh, USA is is one of them. They do children's shows and they hire a lot of young writers to to write the commission them to write those shows. Um, so stuff like that. Um, yeah, like any production company uh, producers uh, looking for writers for things, possibly. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other examples, but uh, but because I've not, I I didn't go that route with with work uh, since graduating that I don't know the <laughs> specific That's ones. Fair. No, no, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I did do some work with. Um, a Korean company that uh, a friend of mine from my graduating class uh, was working with and they were looking and he brought me in to do a project uh, with them, which was, which was really fun. Um, Then it's uh, happening. It's, it was for a TV, uh, TV show, I think not a, not a musical, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which I think may have happened uh, in Korea at, at some point. <laughs> Have you ever performed your own work? Yes. So um, more recently, uh, I decided to do a little performing as well. Um, and I, you know, I did, I started kind of doing like a hybrid kind of cabaret thing where it was like half my work, half, you know, just musical theater and standard songs uh the first that was the first show I did it was kind of just like a general cabaret and then I enjoyed doing that uh so for the next show I did I kind of wrote a little more of like a story and wrote and it was also kind of hybrid it was half like original songs that I wrote like specifically for this story and then half like musical theater songs that kind of fit within the story and I did it again and wrote more original songs and I I'm thinking like eventually I will turn it into all original uh you know keep taking out the (laughs) the the musical theaters uh, existing musical theater songs and keep replacing them with original stuff um yeah to tell the story but 
but that was just like a great uh, project to work on. Yeah. And, and then also be able to perform the songs because um, I have I have been performing a little as well. I'm not like a performer as a career, but to have that outlet and uh, to be able to work on that because I do love performing. But um, since I'm not pursuing it, you know, as a career, it's hard to find those kind of opportunities. So. Well, I have to ask you now, has anything ever gone horribly wrong while you're performing? Um, I've definitely forgotten nothing horribly wrong, but I've definitely forgotten words um, yeah. to things and, and stood on stage for a moment and been like, wait, where am, where am I in this? Because doing like, a, you know, it's a, it's an hour show that I would do. So like somewhere within that hour show, I would like, you know, forget <laughs> where yeah. I was and everything that goes along with that. But, you know, then I just, there might have been like a brief pause or whatever, but then I got back on track or like, or in the middle of a song, just like forgot the words and went like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now we're back at the chorus. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait, I think I sang this verse already, but <laughs> just things like that, which, you know, are, are not great, but they're, they're also, I think like a lot of people do that so <laughs> I had it once and it was this weird like possessed by a spirit moment when I was I was doing a Shakespeare performance at drama school and I had like the opening it was like a, a night of shorts it was a load it was like a scene study and I was on first and I had the first line and it was the opening of the tempest mm. when the daughter is like begging her father to stop the storm and everything right. so it's very very high emotion, high energy. It's very desperate. And my scene partner and I had worked so hard. We knew it inside and out. And like genuinely, we've got, we got mentioned by the like teachers and directors as the ones that they knew were, were putting the work in. And then the first time I did it live, halfway through this speech, it all went blind. But because Shakespeare is, when I say it all went blind, my mind went blank. Right. Is what I mean. I don't know where those words came from. My <laughs> mind went completely blank. Um, and, but because Shakespeare is so rhythmic, isn't it? You know, we all know this. It's the iambic pentameter and everything. I somehow managed to improv in iambic pentameter so well that no one noticed oh, for a few wow. lines until I picked up the speech. My brain and body just came up with some a few lines of really really structured verse and then I got back into it and my nice. director noticed right. but she went I truly think I'm the only one that noticed and I asked the head of my course who was watching to examine us and I was like did you notice a mistake she was like what mistake I was like never mind it's not your problem then. <laughs> and we agreed she was like no if I didn't notice it didn't happen it's fine don't worry right, about it right but it was just one of those moments where I don't know how, but I just managed to like make it work without anyone noticing. <laughs> right, right. And I think also there's something about when you write the words. I don't know if other performers who write feel this way, but it's like you you have like various drafts of it, like also in your mind of yeah. words. So it's like, okay, I know we settled on this, but somewhere in the back of my brain is... There's a different version. There's a different version of it, right. Oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> I'd never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> so oh my gosh that's really stressful yeah I mean I guess it's the same if you're an actor working on new work that changes all the time it's similar I've had that I've yeah. had it where different versions of the script kept getting sent to right, me and I'm right. like 
I learned the other version. Right. <laughs> like, so I'm sure it's similar to that where you like have previous a, a previous draft in your in your brain. But yeah. But I think that that's been it. Otherwise otherwise smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. It's been fine. Now I, I can only talk about just what I've observed from my little window into the industry but mm-hmm. usually what I've seen is that lyrics tend to come first I mean I know it's one of those age-old questions and there's no cookie cutter answer but have you ever had someone send you music and go and make lyrics work yeah that does happen um yeah it is weird like generally it does tend to be lyrics first even though um music first is just as great a way of working I think and it's it's Fun. It can be really fun for lyricists to work that way because mm. it's like a little more of like uh, a set puzzle framework that you have, and then yeah. you get to one. I mean, I remember one of my teachers in grad school saying that it actually feels like as a lyricist you have more control because you can control like how the lyrics then are being set onto yeah. onto the music that's already there. And um, so, yeah, it definitely has happened in my current collaboration that I, on the piece I'm working on most currently right now. Um, it really actually, I think, has only happened for one song. Um, it just and it was early on in the writing of it. And she I, I had written lyrics, uh, you know, a draft of lyrics for that song for that moment. And she set them and it sounded great and, you know, it sounded really nice. And but then she said, I have I actually I wrote music, a different music for that moment. Um, we can, you know, what, however you if, if you want to use the other version, that's fine. But I have this other music. And I was like and I listened to it and I was like, let's let's use this other music because I just I like this. Yeah. You know, I really liked it. And then so that. uh then I set that. I think. Oh no, wait. I think there was an, there is another song in there that was music first. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, and sometimes I listen to the. I remember listening to it and thinking, how like I how am I going to put words onto this? Like it's so fast or you know whatever. And then finally, like you, I figured it out and it like worked really well. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit more of like a puzzle. Because you're not staring at a blank page, you're like staring. You're like actually have yeah. like a framework. You've got like a maze to navigate. Yeah, almost. exactly. So it, it can be really fun. But I think, I mean, I think a lot of times composers do enjoy setting text. So mm. um, it usually does go uh, lyrics first. But then as the collaboration goes, like a lot of like that those lyrics get set. But then you have to rewrite the lyric. For yeah. whatever reason, like dra- dramatic context changes or whatever it is. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you are kind of doing it music first because the music written, you're just changing the lyrics. So then it becomes music first anyway. It, I think it should go back and forth a little yeah. bit. I think that, I think that, if, I think, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong. This is just me spouting opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon if there was, I, I wouldn't imagine a healthy collaboration would be one person going, these are my lyrics, make it work. Or someone going, this is my music, make it work. Right, right. You want the freedom to change and shift and bounce off each other, a bit of a tennis match of like creativity. That's generally how it goes. I think maybe there are some collaborations, like if the person is, like I'm just imagining like in the higher levels where you're like working with somebody who 
is a little bit more famous, who maybe only has, like, Mm -hmm. a few who's kind of working on the show with you, and it's just like, all right, here's the music, and, like, that's it. You know, maybe that happens, but... but yeah, generally it's it's a lot of that like back and forth, back and forth. Awesome. Um, have you overlapped or like interacted with actors much? And if so, what's your opinion of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely have worked with a lot of actors over the years uh, for various like workshops, readings, and and you know stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, actors like. My favorite time working with actors is, um, you know, I learn a lot from them and, you know, when they uh, are just like, you know, into the material also giving, you know, feedback, but just like, you know, very into like, you know, how can we serve this material? Yeah. And, um, you know, I lo- but I do love like learning from them like, oh, you know, you can you can hear in an actor when an actor is working through something when it's not working. And I think that's my, my favorite thing about the process. Like I can write stuff on the page and be like, this sounds like it works, but, (laughs) but then, you know, um, you, you get the actor in the room rehearsing it and then you hear like job to try and make, bring it to life. Right. And And then like human experience to it. Right. And then like, if it's not working, you can, at that moment, you can really hear it, you know, Mm. uh, when they're, you know, either trying to rehearse it or you put it up on the stage and, uh, there's, you know, something. So those moments with the actors are what I, what I love most. And you can. Okay. But you're being really, really nice. What do actors Ah. do that bug you? (laughs) Is there anything we do that's just like, oh my God, act. So the, the classic (laughs) example is like we wrecking props, or like not finding our, like our mark and then we're not in the light that got set every day for like a week. Is there like a writer's equivalent of like, oh my God, actors getting oh, fit together? yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I think like uh, thinking back, I mean, I guess, I mean, as for me, as like as long as you're like committed to the, the project and, you know, respecting what we're trying to do. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of self-producing, not of productions, mm. but just of like readings and workshops that we've done. And, yeah. um, like the hardest time with actors have been, it's, it's just like when they don't, aren't respecting, you know, what we're trying to do and come in with an attitude of just like, this is like low down on my list of priorities and, yeah. and I, you know, I have better things to do or whatever it is, or like, this isn't like going to make my career. So I'm not going to, you know, Respect put it. the time in or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those, those kind of things, uh, are what, what bother me, uh, because, you know, and maybe it won't make their career, but like, or maybe like we, you know, it's, it's a small thing we're trying to do and, um, you know, and we can't pay a lot, you know, but we're paying something I mean, and, but you know, things like even that. If, even if it won't make your career, it's scary how much a domino effect can happen. So like, yeah, fine. Maybe if you're, if you're paying someone to, to workshop some of your music and they're like, ugh. I'm not actually doing enough. This isn't groundbreaking enough. But they don't know where you're going to be in five years. They don't know right. where that venue is going to be in five years or where that show is going to be in five years. Right, and also... Like, it's really careless of an attitude yeah. to have. 
and also writers to all talk to each other like we all talk to each other this is why the podcast isn't that big a deal to me Mm -hmm. because this is all stuff we all say anyway let's turn it then back on the writers is there anything that you know that even if even if it's not you but it's probably you that writers do (laughs) that would make everyone else go oh my god writers (laughs) um let's see maybe uh, you will just sit in a circle and quote things together. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I think, let's see. I mean, I think writers, not all writers, but I think a lot of writers are very last minute and deadline oriented. And so like, we're like the whole process for me at least and I know a lot of other writers as well is like just working up to the last minute because mm. um you know which might be annoying to to others or um and uh yeah just just getting things in like right at deadline because well part of it is just like there's just not enough time for for everything and and trying to squeeze in squeeze everything in is hard but um but yeah writers writers just like love a deadline and so we're Mm -hmm. always like working up to the deadline I mean there's uh there's stories of like how Stephen Sondheim was like could only write on deadline and was like writing songs for shows like during you know previews and you know writing it you know the night who said this to me overnight someone actually said this to me they were like I don't remember if they were writing a book or whatever it is but it, I think it was someone in an interview who has like a series and they were like, look, if you give me six months to do it or if you give me two years to do it, I'll do it just in time. Right, right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely um, most writers. <laughs> we'll do, Is there we'll anything that. that you're like, it's so cliche and bad I will never put it in my writing so like for example um I was in I would I did a research and development process mm-hmm. um as an actor for a new play yeah and there was a moment where a big a big bit of news got dropped and the 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 scene partner went what and I was like I say this with love can it be anything but them staring and saying what because <laughs> First of all, again, as as the actor, as the one whose job it is, is to make things real, I just don't think it happens as much as we think. I think that it might be a time when writers are trying to write in the emotion of receiving big news or the shock or whatever it is, right. when really it's not, you don't need to write it in. It's up to us to sh- to do it anyway, authentically. And I think even when people are like flabbergasted um even people are really overwhelmed with something it's very rare that you just say nothing but what Mm -hmm. you know like I just think that it's just but you you see it way too often in new writing can you think of an example um this is what I'm thinking about now is less of like a a word or a phrase but more of like a scene that I just don't think I could ever put in my writing because I've just like, whenever I see it in in plays, it's yeah. mostly in, more in plays than musicals. I'm just like, ugh, like I can't. <laughs> Which is like a scene in like um, a therapist's office or a psych- psychologist's yes. office. Because one time I saw a play, and it was like a it was a good play. Like 
people loved it and it got really good reviews. I, I don't remember what it was called, but I was seeing it and the first scene is uh, with, a, I guess, a therapist or a, uh, something like that. And so, mm. and I remember being so bored by the scene that uh, some man behind me who was having trouble with his hearing aid, like that was more, that, that saga was wow. more interesting to me than like what was going on on stage. on stage. So at that point I swore, I was like, I will never, ever write a therapist and character scene. I mean, it ha- people write them and I'm sure they're they're fine, but I just like from that experience I said I will never write this and I That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that as I actually went to therapy for a couple of years and I think that everyone can benefit from therapy, so I think it's an important thing to normalize. Having said that, there are some really, really, really important boundaries when it comes to therapy. And so I think what bothers me, having been in that space, mm-hmm. is when it's done really unethically. Like there was a film I watched where someone ends up romantically involved with their therapist. Oh, yeah. And I'm watching it going, this is inappropriate. This is so inappropriate. What is happening? And it's done so much. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's unethical for so many reasons. That's not what they're there for. So, yeah, I think... As a musical theater example, I love the musical falsettos so much, but yeah. that that does happen in falsettos, and it always bothers me yeah. every time uh, I think about it. <laughs> I think there's always going to be, and again, you probably have more to say about this than me because I don't write, I just perform, but whenever you're especially writing something that isn't yours, you're writing someone else's story, mm-hmm. you have to respect it. And that's when all these debates come in about race and sexuality. You know, if you're going to write a movie or a play or a musical, you know, if you're going to write Priscilla Queen of the Desert or whatever it is mm-hmm. and really have success and profit off another person's culture and life and sometimes trauma, you have to respect it. You have to keep them involved in the conversation. You mm-hmm. have to you have to share that success and that spotlight with them because it's their story. And I think that I would argue that the topic of therapy does fall under that. It's a very important thing to represent. What I'm basically talking about is representation. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true too. I mean, I was basically thinking of it like, oh my gosh, like the conversation that you get in a, like to watch it on stage is just so boring to me. <laughs> but yeah, there's also those, there's also those issues as well. I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, Amber, can you give me advice? I've done lots of writing before, but I want to write a play. Um, and I was like, okay, but I think you need to ask yourself why it's a play rather than a novel mm-hmm. and rather than a short story because it's a different medium. And why are we right. watching it rather than reading it? What it so it's, it's on stage. So if we take this example of just a conversation between a therapist and a patient, why should I watch that as opposed right. to just read it? Right, um, right, right. But I also I think it's, it's one of those tropes that's used for... Um, exposition it's Mm -hmm. used for right let me fill the audience in let me give them all the background information right and that's what it feels like just in a very bland like question answer way you know Mm. what other ways are there that writers tend to do that just like you know like when the right when like a character goes hey big brother and it's like (laughs) okay thank you for telling us well, but I that's guess his, her brother. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess they say like the best exposition like comes out in con- in a scene of conflict. So I guess that, Ooh, uh, I like that 
any way that that can happen. I mean, I guess there's there's always ways around, like, uh, like yeah, if you want to establish someone as, like, someone's a big brother, there there's something people can say. Like, you can throw something in there somewhere, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was taught about exposition, mm. like, have it come out, like, in conflict in some way. That's a really good tactic. I'd never have thought of that. Mm-hmm. But you're totally right. If I if I was to have a perfectly nice afternoon tea with my brother, you wouldn't re- and someone happened to be a fly on the wall, they may not know. Whereas if we were having an argument, like you always do this, you've always done this. Oh right, my gosh. Right. Like all of that kind of then you kind of get that is a very good tactic. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I've learned something today. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while, though. So it's a good reminder for me, too. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Let's have a look at some, yeah. um, at some of your more journalistic writing. Yeah. So do you have a muggle job or have you just got multiple different little writing jobs and they all kind of add up to I, a relatively stable I, I also have a, a regular day job uh, I've been at for about nine years. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, actually somebody I went to musical theater graduate school with also works at this company and brought me in, got me the job. So we both work there uh, in, in this company, which is not theater related at all. It's like uh, uh, a, uh, you know, a, a financial and technology what do they call it uh financial <laughs> sciences firm oh i'm uh, with you yeah. you know uh so, yeah i know so much about that industry <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a you know a, a steady day job that you know has allowed me over these years to to uh work on my writing on the side uh of that which has been which has been really great and yeah yeah to have to have the the money to also put in because musical theater mm. is expensive and uh so it's definitely been helpful in that way as well um yeah even just musical theater is expensive even just to do like a reading or <laughs> there know. are so many jobs this is the thing there are like it's one thing for someone to do a monologue it's another thing for it to be set to music and to have musicians right. and to have, there's so many jobs um so you're you're based in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes what's something that you think about your career, writing, creatively, journalism, whatever it may be, that that is is linked to the fact that you're from New York? If you yeah. see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think just being here around all the theater, I'm constantly, you know, tuned in. I mean, I think musical theater. New musical theater is uh, New York is uh, one of the main places for it. Yeah, it really um, is. It, New York has been kicking London's ass <laughs> in the past couple of years. And I hate saying that because I've always been like, excuse me, the West End, I'm sorry, New York wishes. <laughs> but but I've got to say the past three or four years, the new th- musical theatre coming out of New York has been really quite incredible. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's just a great place to be for that. I, I really can't imagine being elsewhere. So, I mean, until the pandemic, uh, you know, going to people's concerts and shows you know of, of that you know of new people's new work all the time mm. um you know it's great for that and then uh you know and also just like broadway being here i hate to say like broadway as like the main thing but you know just being in the same location as as like in the u.s like the highest level yeah. of of theater um but- 
as because I think London's really comparable, but I think that I think that sometimes having the big theater there, like Broadway, facilitates the smaller stuff mm-hmm. as well. Because yeah. the same people are going to be working across both, whether we right. realize it or not, and things like that. So yeah, I think no, you kind of need Broadway to have the cabaret nights, to have the new writing nights and the showcases. Yeah, it I all mean, kind of feeds each other, right? And just in terms of performers, like being able to use the the performers who you know are working at the Broadway level come and do your shows. Like it's it's you know a great. It's a great ecosystem in that way as well. Um, yeah, I think, but I, yeah, I think I'm just, it's it's easy to be very tuned into everything that's going on because uh, it's always like right here as opposed to like I'm reading about something that's happening elsewhere. Or, like the theater, like I keep up with the, you know, the theater in my town, but, um, and you know, and some cities have really great, are really great theater towns, uh, but to have so much happening right here mm-hmm. is is definitely like feeds of you know everything that I'm working on. Did you see Marriage Story by any chance? Marriage Story, I don't. It's I a don't... film. Sorry, it's got Adam Driver. Oh, that and film. Scarlett Sorry, Johnson. yes, I didn't see it, but I, I definitely know what you're talking. What you're it's, talking about? It's it's basically based across half the story in New York, half the story in right. LA. And it kind of gave me the clearest, as someone who is just not from the US, but does work in the performing arts, it gave me like the clearest difference. Like New York is the theatre companies, people dressed in black doing movement (laughs) shows. And LA is where the commercials and um, what's the word? Pilot season and all of those things. Right. Um, Basically, screen and theatre is the simplest way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask if how how accurate that was, but maybe it's something you can. Yeah, look I mean, into. I they do say like if you want to work in TV, like you have to go to LA. There mm. is TV in New York, but it's like the amount that's in LA is just apparently not the same as, as it's what just it is the here. whole. It's just the whole culture of LA, really. The same way that theater is the culture. Yeah. York, so. It? So we do have like a lot of writers, theater writers, like moving to LA to to work there, and so there there is that kind of a lot. A lot of them are are living there now, um, and more playwrights than musical theater writers. So uh, okay, yeah, fair. it's a little different in that way. But some musical theater writers do go out there and work in TV and do musical theater, like kind of blend musical theater and TV writing in in different ways. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that, like New York. I mean, there, there's some TV shows that are, um, set and filmed in New York, or at least filmed in New York. And there is a little bit of that here, but it's, it's very much like. Yeah. It needs to actually be based there or something. There needs to be a reason for it. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and, and conversely, like there is theater in LA that, um, you know, people are part of that scene. I'm sure. I don't know too much about it, not having lived there, but, um, would you want to, um, give LA a try at some point? Yeah. I mean, I have, I've definitely thought about it and, uh, I mean, part of it is that like, I have like a lot, like my, my family's on the East coast and, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to, you know, it would be hard to, you know, start up again over there. I've like, I've thought yeah. more about like, 
kind of doing trying to visit there just visit there more often and, and again i and have forth. to remind myself just how big america is yeah that's true like, i can get to scotland in like five hours like mm-hmm. it's not quite the same going from east to west coast like yeah, yeah you I mean, couldn't people... even get across texas in the time oh, i could yeah. get across the whole of the uk i know it's not quite in the middle but you see my point right so yeah i mean people definitely do it um i have a friend who just uh who just moved out there like right before like 29 fall of 2019 and Mm. um so yeah people I mean people definitely do go back and forth uh but yeah I mean that's kind of my thought now is like if I were to do LA do the LA thing I would try to do more of like a back and forth type situation so I just want to I kind of was going to and then veered myself off Looking at things like your work with American Theatre Magazine, yeah. The Interval, and Women in Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, what's that like? Yeah. How, how does it work? Do you do you get commissioned for specific articles? Do you write things and send it to them, and they pick them? How does how does it work? All all of that. Like it depends. Um, most most of the time, I'm pitching stories to them because I'm I'm freelance, so it's just whenever mm-hmm. I have an idea for something, um, I will send an email to the editor and pitch it with the interval, which is now uh, not in operations, but when it was like uh, the editor of that, uh, who's a friend of mine, uh, Victoria Myers, like especially for one series that I did, which was um, like a women, uh, women in theater history that you should know. Like she knew that she knew that I was interested in that stuff. And she asked me if I would be interested in doing that. And I did that series, uh, for them. And, uh, but yeah, usually, usually it's, um, just me pitching ideas that I have that I think, uh, I would be good to write. Um, very, very occasionally, but yeah, very occasionally the editor has reached out to me about something, but usually it's coming from me, which I yeah. do like because it's that I'm always writing something I'm excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And yet I imagine there is um, a lot of work about who writes what, you know, like who is, who has the know-how and the research behind them, like who, who can write this particular topic? Mm-hmm. Well. Um, like a chemistry thing, you know? Yeah. I imagine that's something they, they consider. Yeah, yeah, I definitely always am like, I should write, I should be the one writing this because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, again, we have to do it in everything. I, when I did um, a production of Medusa, the director, fantastic director, and she said, I know I'm a really good director, but I spend like 70% of my job is me convincing people that I am the one for the job. Right. And I recently got um, some acting things coming in and I'm convinced one of the reasons is the way that I applied um, Mm -hmm. and I added a personal touch to things that's like, this is why I am suited. It's not as simple as I'm the right height. I'm the right look. Right. Sometimes. And um, it's, yeah. So I think it applies to kind of every, everything, but even more so in the creative world. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And, and, and knowing why, and I think knowing why you at least want to do it or, you know, or, you know, if I, if you give me this opportunity, I would be the best because, you know, blah, blah, yeah. knowing, knowing that reason is like helpful moving forward with it. If you do get the opportunity to do it or That's to write true. it, um, yeah. just like knowing that reason is, is very helpful. 
Great. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that you're excited about? Um, work coming up that you're doing or a new show that you can't wait to see? Anything that you're like, oh, this is <laughs> going on? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. It's hard because in New York, like theater has started up again, but I'm personally mm. very cautious about things and not yet actually going. Um, mm. But I, what I definitely... Uh, for New York, I'm excited about um, Is This a Room and Dana H on Broadway, and they're in rep. They were both at the Vineyard Theater. I ju just did an article for American Theater Magazine on uh, Tina Satter, who directed and uh, conceived Is This a Room, so um, just... Ooh, send it over. Oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about those two shows how much, being on how Broadway. How much is your stuff online? How much is your stuff accessible? Oh, yeah. It's online. It's all there. Oh my gosh, yeah. send me some links. Oh, definitely. Mm. Um, and you can definitely, you know, if you go to my website, shoshanagreenberg.com, um, I have. Shoshanagreenberg.com. <laughs> Shoshanagreenberg.com. <laughs> I have uh, all my at least recent articles there uh, with links and stuff like that. Actually, I should update it to, with this new one that just came out. But. Um, the so I'm definitely ex excited for those to be on on Broadway um and uh yeah what and in terms of what I'm working on I mean we just uh did uh last year with uh the show that I'm working on with Hyun Kim Days of Rage we worked with a university um while they were mostly remote, so we never did the show in person, which was kind of interesting, but we did a lot of development work um, just through Zoom readings and working with the director, uh, and, you know, we did a lot of rewriting over the past year on that uh, show, so I'm just excited to, uh, you know, work on that more and, you know, see where that goes this year um yeah i'm trying to think of anything else that's coming up uh especially musical theater wise uh you know i'm yeah. seeing oliana by david mamet literally tomorrow Do oh you know nice it? yeah uh i've never i don't think i've ever seen that one yeah i don't I've never seen I've it. I've seen but some I, of I his stuff, the, but... I know the play really well. I did a monologue for it as my drama school auditions, but also when I was at uni. So I did a contemporary theatre writing course at uni. Yeah. Um, uh, I, well, no, I've just merged two things. I did a playwriting course and I did contemporary theatre, British oh, theatre. Oh, yeah. Um, so we looked at a lot of new writers and it's a very interesting play that can go based on the direction. Like the writer... Mamet has intent. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I, I don't know. I've never seen it live, but it yeah. could be done in so many different ways. So I'm quite excited to go see that. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, soon, you know, I'll be more comfortable going to see stuff. I've been thinking a lot mm. about like what I can do with the shows that I'm working on or, you know, that I'm writing that maybe, maybe they don't go on a stage. Like maybe, you know, I could do like a recording of my one woman show and like yeah. get it out there get it out there that way you know things like mm. that um a lot of different possibilities uh for things you know in the in our new new world <laughs> amazing anyway yeah. i think we will call it there shoshana but thank you so much for your time thank uh, you it has been lovely having you yeah thank you so much it was great to be on the show
And that was our interview with Shoshana. That's such a wonderful name. It's a great name, isn't it? It's a beautiful, beautiful, lyrical, wonderful name. How apt that this person is a lyricist. It's also it's just insane. really fun. I, I'm never aware of just how English I sound until I'm talking to someone American. And yeah, like the difference yeah, in yeah. our voices is just so big. It's such a clash of worlds. I, I don't know if I told you, but yeah, I went to uni in, in Derby. But like what I may not have said was that accent became like a big thing because most um, most people that went to Derby were from the Midlands, mm. where Derby is, or they were from further north. Um, and I became genuinely, I felt really isolated because I was the only person with a southern accent, right? So... I was the only person who would, for instance, pronounce it Bath rather than Bath, mm. right? All that you know, jazz. Things like that. And it, I, it was like, I'm going to use a weird fucking thing. There's a, there's a TV series called The Orville where someone gets introduced to smoking for the first time and he says, I feel like I've been standing up my whole life and I've only just sat down <laughs> when he has his first cigarette, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like a joke about, yeah. And, and that's how I felt coming home from Derby for Christmas, yeah, being surrounded by my own tame country bumpkin voice, yeah. Um, because I, I, yeah, I'm from Oxfordshire, so I sound kind of reasonably posh. Also, I, I mean, I sound posher than the people I went to school with for some reason, but that's because my mum had a military dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains it. Did you, did you enjoy? No, I had, a, I had a great time interviewing her. It was really nice. Um, being on scene to song, it was very. These are all the questions I'm going to ask in advance. Whereas I was like, "So, what's your job like?" And uh, <laughs> we, it just got to be more conversational, which was nice because we've spoken a few times now and. That's something That's cool. I like about our pod. I was I went to a friend's birthday recently and um he happened to just everyone that was there worked in theatre and I was telling someone about our podcast and they were like, Oh, so what's it like? I was like, Well, you know, uh Cole's a musician, I'm an actor, but really it's two mates talking shit. It's that exactly. it's one of those. And they were like, That should be a category. I was like, It really should. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we hope you enjoyed listening to Shoshana this week and hearing a little bit about what it's like being a writer in New York. Um, It was so cool. Thank you again, Shoshana, for coming on. Everyone else, have a lovely week and we'll see you next.